I think that's everything with regards to notices, so let's have a look at today's main Bible reading, which is following on from our earlier reading, we're going to look at Genesis 3. And it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your faith. face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Well there are just a few things to mention before we begin. Often here at Trinity what we do is we take a passage and then we work our way through that passage and um, explore what that passage means. In one sense we, we're kind of going to do that, we're going to highlight a couple of points from both Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. 
but the purpose today is to do so so we can think specifically in terms of anxiety. For those of you who are regulars, you'll notice that this is in, this is fitting in with the uh, normal framework that we're using here at Trinity. You know, we're not doing anything uh, underhand. Um, there's nothing up my sleeves, as it were. Uh, this is all. This will all make sense in light of the framework that we use here at Trinity, which is a biblical framework. So that's that. Um, there will be an opportunity to ask questions at the end of the talk. How this all works is it'll be, ha it'll happen in the live chat. So if you have a question, you can put the question in the live chat, and then we'll have an opportunity to discuss three or four questions at the end. Now, I do want to say and make it explicit, although hopefully uh, you appreciate you can do this anyway, but if you have a question and you're a little bit nervous about asking that question, I guess particularly today because we're talking about anxiety and you might not want to share what makes you anxious or anything like that, feel free to email me your question if you're not happy to put it in the live chat and have it discussed. Um, that goes without saying. Anyway, if you want a question, you're not happy to email at any point in the Trinity at 10.30 slots, then do feel free to email me. Uh, and I'll get back to you to that question. However, having said that, it would be great if you are comfortable to put your questions in the live chat because other people do learn a lot from the questions that are asked and the answers that are given. So don't hold back. If you're happy and comfortable, throw your question in the live chat. So with thinking about anxiety today, so um, keep you know ask your questions related to that. Obviously, we're at the starting point, so I will answer your question as well as I can, but do bear in mind that session two, session three, session four will all build on what we're doing today. Uh, will take us on further. That's the question time. There's also a sermon outline. It's a, that, if that's of use of you, that's found in the description box. You can download that and use that to make notes if you want. Finally, and most importantly, we're going to ask God to help us. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we live in your world and that when you created it, you created it as very good. And yet we know that it isn't how it was meant to be off the back of the fall. And we reflect this morning about how that brings to us living here in your world anxiety we pray lord that we would not worry or be concerned but put our anxiety in its place knowing that it is your plan to recreate the world bring about a new creation which will once again be described as very good where anxiety will have no hold amen Does everyone suffer with anxiety? Well, as we look at other people, we might expect the answer to be no. I mean, I know I'm anxious, but everyone else, they seem so composed. 
But then I do spend an awful lot of time with myself. And as a result, I'm very aware of every little niggle that causes me anxiety. I'm unable to escape any of the emotions I experience, whether it be laughter, sadness or anxiety, I'm vividly aware of every one of them. But I only see you for a few moments each week. And you always look so poised. You all carry an air of confidence. Apparently, you're not affected by anxiety. So you see, because I spend a lot of time with myself, I'm acutely aware of my anxiety. Whereas unless I spend a lot of time with you, I can begin to believe that you don't have a problem with it. But in reality, no matter how composed we come across on a Sunday morning or at growth group, ultimately we all struggle with anxiety. But inevitably, we're more aware of our own struggles. But does everyone, you know, does everyone suffer with anxiety? Well, ultimately, the answer is yes, we all experience it to some extent. The difference can be in how we deal with it. And that's what we're going to be considering over the next four weeks. We all experience anxiety. And the question is, how can we then manage that anxiety so it doesn't become inappropriate and debilitating? It's worth, as we start, just having a quick word on terminology. So there are two words, worry and anxiety. Now, let's say these two words, they overlap in in, in meaning. So both worry and anxiety refer to a fear or nervousness regarding to a particular situation. But there's a sense that these terms also diverge. In the sense that we can worry about something that's legitimate. So if I receive a bill and I cannot afford to pay it until payday comes... I will be worried and there's an appropriateness to that but of course if I speak to the utility company hopefully they'll understand they'll be happy to delay payment until payday comes however anxiety can refer to an inappropriate worry so as a healthy 40 year old To keep visiting my doctor, believing that I have cancer, when all the evidence points to the fact that I don't, is not good. See, the problem there isn't cancer. The problem is anxiety. So as we talk about worry and anxiety, 
it can refer to anything from appropriate concern all the way to ungrounded anxiety. Now at this point I would like to add a third way of thinking about it. And this is something that we're going to think about next week. What we worry about can betray what we prioritise. So what we worry about can betray what we prioritise. That's for next week. That's something we're going to think about next week. So for now we're just thinking in terms of worry that's appropriate and worry that is ungrounded. So we have four weeks to consider anxiety. So this morning we're going to spend our time locating the problem. Where does it come from? And what role, if any, does it play in God's creation? And this will provide us a necessary framework to begin to master our anxiety and keep it in, our pla in its place. Now, in order to consider where anxiety comes from, we first ask whether it was there at the beginning of creation. And at creation, God evaluates everything that he makes as good. That's something that we see as we work our way through Genesis 1. So God creates something and it was so and God says it is good. However, there is one thing that God describes as not good. Have a look at Genesis 2 verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. Creation at this point is still incomplete. Everything is not yet how it should be. Man has been created in God's image, but he is alone. And having been made in the image of God, he was made to be in relationship. So creation is not complete until God makes a suitable helper for Adam. And an incomplete creation presents us with the potential for anxiety. Something's not right and something is lacking. However, once God completes the creation, man and woman are together, God's final evaluation of creation is that it's very good. Not only has God evaluated every individual part of creation as good but now he evaluates every element of creation as a whole as it works together and describes it as very good that can be found in genesis 1 and verse 31 god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. 
So working in an enormous, enormous symphony, everything works according to and towards God's purpose. There's nothing to be anxious about. And it's in this context that God is at rest with his creation. Specifically, we also can see there's no anxiety between the man and his wife. Have a look at Genesis 2 verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we already have a clue as to where anxiety comes from. It's when creation is incomplete. So, why then do we have anxiety now? Well, the first appearance of worry comes after Adam's eaten from the tree. What will happen now? God said in 2 verse 16 or verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Adam and Eve, aware of their nakedness, become anxious and hide. Because they've eaten from the tree, and the question they're asking is, they're worried about what the consequence will be. They've disobeyed God, so they're apprehensive as to what is going to come next. So we see that anxiety is a result of the fall. As a result of the fall, creation has been decreated. And the world is not how it should be. The land has been cursed. There's famine. There's drought. There are cataclysmic events. Relationships are in turmoil. And illness and ageing reminds us now that our bodies are decaying as we anticipate death. Now in this context, in the fallen world, anxiety has an appropriate role to play. In the fallen world, death, illness, robbery, cataclysmic events, danger, broken relationships are all things that are now present and worrying about them appropriately is necessary. You know, we'd put ourselves in danger if we did not worry about anything. Worry acts as an appropriate inhibitor. It's thanks to worrying about the danger of the road that causes me to check both ways before I cross. The alternative to this is apathy. And in the end, it's only a matter of time before the inevitable happens. So legitimate reasons to worry means anxiety has a positive role to play. It will warn me of danger. It will provoke me to visit the GP. It will keep me from falling asleep if I fail to lock the door 
and so on. But what we need to do is manage our worry so that we do not allow things that are not legitimate to debilitate us. Interestingly, anxiety is also an appropriate response to the first time you hear the gospel. Ultimately, the gospel is a warning that our relationship with God is broken, but can be reconciled. And when this impacts us, we must be anxious. Anxious that we find out how this can be remedied. So worry and anxiety have a role to play in the fallen world. However, we do need to be able to keep our anxiety in check. Because sometimes we're going to feel anxious about something that is completely irrational. It's important to know that it's not just a simple matter of just stop having irrational anxiety. That isn't necessarily going to happen. The trick is to know how to engage with it when it comes. Even then, we will still be aware of our particular anxiety, but we can continue to function despite it. So it's very much about managing it or mastering it. Throughout the four weeks, we're going to consider how we talk ourselves down from our anxiety, whether that be legitimate anxiety that plays in our mind or an inappropriate anxiety that we need to put in its place. So let's stick with the example I gave earlier. I think I have cancer. Now one very important thing when thinking about anxiety is to have a self-awareness. Now this is easy for me to say now and for us to talk about now as we think of this in the abstract. But actually when we're in the thick of anxiety it's actually quite hard to have that self-awareness. It's certainly a hard thing to hear about. So let's think about it now while we're able to be objective and hopefully we can remember that on those occasions when we become particularly anxious. The self-awareness is important because of where we think the problem is. So I think the problem is I have cancer. However, in reality, the problem isn't that I have cancer. The problem is actually I'm anxious. I'm anxious because I think I've got cancer. I know this because if I manage to think clearly just for a moment, the reason I think I have cancer is because my old school friend does have cancer and that's affected me. You know, my irrational thinking goes something along the lines of this. If he can have cancer at 40, then I can. So what we can start to do is think about how we can talk ourselves down. 
in the first stage of talking myself down we could say is to convince myself that I have no justification to think I have cancer so how does cancer present itself lumps malignant lumps have I got any lumps well no I don't have any lumps and you can continue along that line of thought as you reflect on other symptoms, dismissing each in turn. The next step is to think, well, if I have no symptoms, why is it then do I think I have cancer? Well, ultimately, it's simply because I'm upset. I'm upset because my friend has got cancer. You can push things further. Well, is cancer contagious? Of course it's not. Is there any reason why my friend having cancer might mean that I have cancer? Well, no, not really. Now, at this point, I may still feel worried. But hopefully what you're beginning to see is that I'm working hard to persuade myself that my anxiety is irrational it has no foundation and I really needn't be worried what's interesting though is we can take this even a step further having correctly assessed the situation and reassured myself I haven't got cancer I can ask a further question I haven't got cancer, but what if I did? Well, cancer can be treated. What else? Well, cancer can be terminal. What does that mean? <clears throat> well, that means death. And so I continue to think things through. That would be scary. But is there any reason why it would be okay in the end? Well, God has made numerous promises, all of which cannot be thwarted, all of which he is guaranteed he will keep. Everyone who trusts in Jesus will be part of God's kingdom. And his kingdom will be a place where there will be no tears. So to die means an early arrival into God's kingdom. Not only will it not be so bad... But it will put all of the suffering of this world into context. Hopefully you can see this puts us in an extremely strong position. We can even reassure ourselves even in the deepest darkest scenario. But as we've already recognised, the fear of having cancer in this situation is actually irrational. I don't have cancer. I'm just worried about it.
Nevertheless, because of who God is and because we know him and know what he is like, then we're equipped to assure ourselves that even though to have terminal cancer means suffering, the outcome is to be part of God's kingdom. And that is the guaranteed end result. So given what we've said, given that we've seen that anxiety was absent in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, once the world was complete, and that anxiety is present now as a result of the fall, then it follows once God has completed his recreation of the fallen world, there will be no anxiety. God is going to recreate and reorder his creation. Humanity will be at peace with his creator. God's king will be established and his kingdom will endure forever. The benevolent creator will wipe away every tear from our eye and the child will play near the cobra's nest and yet there'll be nothing to worry about. The importance of what we've considered this morning is it helps us to see that anxiety is only present because of the fall. And while it has a role to play to keep us alert while we live in this fallen world, it should never debilitate us. But more than this, we live with anxiety now knowing that we await a time when there will be no anxiety. And a large part of dealing with our anxiety now is knowing that it will be dealt with in the new heavens and the new earth where there will be no need for anxiety. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we reflect on these things, we can see that you've created the world very good. Though the fall has brought about a curse and that therefore there is much place for anxiety and a role for it, we pray Lord that we would be in a position to master it and expose our wrong thinking when we begin to veer towards irrational thinking. We pray, Lord, that we can look forward to and anticipate and use the confidence we have in your promises to help us see that really there's nothing to worry about because we look forward to and anticipate living in a world where worry is gone in your new creation. Amen. Well, I mentioned at the start that there would be an opportunity to ask questions and how this works is it's all to do with the live chat and if you put a cue in the live chat then I know a question's on its way and it means it'll stop me from moving on while you type your question. So you can do that just as I've done there. Trinity Church Bradford has put a cue in it just means that a question is waiting to come through. 
If you do that, then it means it'll stop me from moving on. It'll give you a chance to formulate your question and write it down uh, in the live chat, and then we'll have a go at looking at it. Um, so, any thoughts or comments? In one sense, it's still early days. We're just beginning to set the scene. I think what we're going to look at next week is going to be particularly helpful as we continue to build on that idea of a biblical framework helping us to put anxiety in its place. But hopefully today that's given us something to get our teeth into, as it were. Um, I don't know, it might be worth saying at this point, before we get too far on it, the, a lot of the stuff that we're discussing here fits with other things other than just anxiety. You know, we, we just only need to twist this slightly and this sort of way of thinking can help us with depression. Or um, twist it slightly and this will help us think about something else that's just escaped me um, oh temptation so all these sorts of things apply to depression anxiety temptation so, you know so thinking in terms of temptation you're tempted to do something that's going to take you in the direction you don't want to go uh, which is sin and so you can talk yourself down using the promises that you have um, depression similar to anxiety um, yeah Maybe it's worth saying as well, um, as we talk about anxiety here, um, I don't in any way want to undermine the idea that actually there is a, a potential for an illness, you know, a physical illness that's affecting your mental state. At which point I would encourage you to go and see your GP, speak to them, get the appropriate guidance from them and get the appropriate medication as and when needed. This isn't in any way to replace that. Um, this is kind of aimed at us as we're well thinking about anxiety. Not, It's not really it's not intended at all as a replacement for the medical help we can receive. And that's important to say. <laughs> 